Welcome to the Hoodoo and Chill Podcast, the number one hoodoo and spirituality-based podcast bringing awareness to African-American spirituality and a wide range of thought-provoking topics. I am Papa Seer, your host, your narrator, and your storyteller. Before the show begins, make sure you're subscribed or following the show so you don't miss out on any episodes. And as always, donations of love keep our podcast alive and give us the ability to upgrade the show, enhance our content, and most importantly, do what we love. You can use any link in the description to send your donation of love today. Now, let's start the show. Hoodoo Voices, a series dedicated to giving life to the forgotten and many unknown voices of hoodoo. This series showcases interviews conducted by Harry Middleton Height in the 1930s. These interview excerpts are from his extensive five-volume series, Hoodoo, Conjuration, Witchcraft, and Root Work. While we can appreciate this priceless resource of hoodoo black history, we here at the Hoodoo and Chill podcast do not condone or support the manner in which this information was gathered and monetized for financial gain. We can, however, acknowledge Mr. Hyatt's extensive work as an essential resource. Good morning and grand rising. We are here with another episode of the Hoodoo and Chill podcast. It is me, Papa Seer, the host, narrator, and storyteller of the number one Hoodoo and spirituality-based podcast, the Hoodoo and Chill podcast. Happy Monday. It is Magic Mondays, one of my favorite days of the week, if not my favorite. We are here today with an amazing episode, you all. Like, I am already excited in my spirit, already excited in my bones. Today, on this very special episode of the Hoodoo and Show podcast, we are showcasing a, another practitioner in our most requested series, the Hoodoo Voices series, where we take one of Mr. Middleton's interviews and we dissect it, we break it down, we put it into an understandable format so that you all can get a piece of real hoodoo history, not from me, but from the voices in the mouths of these practitioners. And this is a series that is so close to my heart. I feel like you know, a divine vessel being channeled to use to recreate and give these practitioners their voices again. So I'm excited today for the show. But of course, before that, let's go ahead and get our announcements out of the way. As always, family and friends, we are always in need of donations of love so that the Hoodoo and Chill podcast can grow So if you have it in your heart, if you are a supporter of this show, we need your help. Please use the donation link. It's right there in the podcast description to send a donation of love today. Whatever you can afford, we greatly appreciate it. Also, family, please do not forget, we are still accepting applications for our foremost leader in the industry, our HCR gold academy the best online academy to learn traditional black american spirituality 
who do conjuration and root work. You can sign up via the website, hcrgold.com. The information is on the homepage. Please make sure that you schedule your intake appointment so that one of our instructors can intake you so that you can be given all of the information that you need for next year's school year. And we look so much forward to seeing you. We look forward to everyone who has signed up already. We are gearing up for an amazing 2024. January, family and friends, we are also doing our eight-week master certification course on cartomancy or the art of divination with playing cards. I've been doing this for years now. It's truly one of my best courses. If you have not signed up, again, that information is on the website, hcrgold.com, under classes on our website. Again, this is an eight-week master course where you will receive a certification in cardamancy. You will receive your paperwork. You will receive a copy of my fabulous book, The Intimacy of Cardamancy. You will also receive a complimentary pack of cards, not just any cards. The Soothsayer Divination Deck, the deck that I created, it is truly the best cardamancy deck available. So even if you are not interested in taking the course, please go on the website and grab yourselves either the book, the cards, or both. I think for anyone who is wanting to learn or if you're beginning to learn, right, this is a great tool. I put a lot of love into this, you all. And like I said, I have created a resource that I think is going to help enhance and change the game of cardamancy. So again, all of that information is on the website, hcrgold.com. I look forward to everyone who's going to be a part of our school year for next year. I look forward to everyone who is going to join us for Cardamancy for the next eight weeks. And we thank you so much for everyone who has sent a donation, who is going to send a donation because, of course, donations are what keep our podcast alive. So if you want to see the Hoodoo and Jill podcast grow, if you want to see this content enhanced, we are really looking to get more into video content. That's what we're really trying to get, you know, more forward with. So please, you all, donations truly are the breath and life of this podcast. So without further ado, let us get into today's show. What person, except our informant, has ever named himself after a graveyard? After Marcus Brown, the Negro Cemetery in Charleston. But this could have been a temporary act of daring, induced by the spirits within. Because I learned later, he was known to others as William or Pete. Besides... I am almost certain it was he who had the fight with Dr. Washington in the court of the house where I was interviewing. I must add to emphasize the danger that Washington had come to me in a treasure seeking mood, having taken a few drinks of moonshine whiskey from his screw top jar. After he left me, he and a doctor waiting got into an altercation described elsewhere. The backdrop of today's episode finds us in Charleston, South Carolina in the early 1930s. This interview 
for me specifically is very profound, very significant. It's short, probably one of the shortest interviews we've dissected thus far on the show, but still phenomenal nonetheless, even in the short five pages that he gave. So before we get deeper into the story, let us give the profile on this practitioner, Mr. Marcus Brown. So Marcus Brown, for me, represents an archetype of a hoodoo worker that I adore. He is the hot-spirited boneyard conjurer. This is how I describe him. If we go back, before we even get into the depths of the interview, Hyatt in his opening statements gives us a very good picture of who he is. He speaks on how Mr. Brown named himself after a cemetery. And I did some research on this cemetery, the Marcus Brown Cemetery. And the information that I found was very interesting um, in South Carolina. So this cemetery was a cemetery that was created for African-Americans. It it was a cemetery specifically created to hold the remains of brown-skinned African-Americans. And I found that significant, not to veer too much, but the people that created and funded this cemetery, it was they really wanted to put a precedence on African Americanism. I know for a fact here in Virginia, we have an African burial ground, but here in South Carolina, this cemetery was specifically for people who were not of African descent originally. They were brown skinned from what I understood and they had to be born in America. There was another cemetery that was created um, for darker skinned and, and specifically Africans. But, you know, when we talk about the idealism of colorism, I, a lot of times when it, as it relates to slavery, we always arbitrate that to, you know, the Caribbean and South America and just how there were so many different racial or uh, social demographics just dependent upon your skin color. But I thought it was really prominent that we find it's still here on the shores of the Americas. Um, and, and I've never really even heard about this before in South Carolina. So not to veer too much, but I just wanted to paint a picture of who Mr. Brown is and the time and where he's living in Charleston, South Carolina. Back to the story. Mr. Brown, for me, is more of a conjure worker than hoodoo specific. There is there are there is hoodoo in this in this interview, but the premises and what he really truly does build upon off of from his power, a lot of it, if not all of it, revolves around work that is in the graveyard or the boneyard. But why did I choose this interview? Because Mr. Brown gives us a more intimate depiction of graveyard work. So I would, you know, challenge you to sit through this entire episode because it's going to help you reshape your views on the dead or even just the sacred ground of the boneyard. 
Mr. Brown paints a very intimate picture of why he works with the dead, how to do it. And it, it makes so much sense. And I really love it because a lot of times when we talk about graveyard work or when it's being discussed in, you know, the hoodoo community or even in just the occult setting, it's always something malevolent. It's always something negative. It's always having to do with hurting or harming someone. But Mr. Brown gives us a different, he paints a different picture. And while some of the work is very much left-handed, a lot of it is for protection and making sure that you are blessed and going to the dead for your blessings. So anyway, I just wanted to give you all a backdrop on who Mr. Brown is. And just also, <laughs> before I forget, that's not even his real name. If we go back to Hyatt's opening words, he said that he was also known as William or Pete. So this name or this title, Marcus Brown, was something that, you know, a, a title that he adorned himself. Something that we find a lot in hoodoo culture, practitioners adorning a new name once they undergo an initiation. So let's get back to the interview. The Hoodoo and Chill Podcast will return after this short ad break. Hey there, family. It's Papa Seer. Are you at a crossroads wondering what lies ahead? Let me be your guide through life's mysteries. As a master diviner, I've dedicated my life to helping people just like you navigate the twists and turns of their journey. I use a blend of ancient techniques, ancestral and spirit mediumship bone casting and cardamancy to unveil all the answers you seek imagine having a glimpse into the unknown or a roadmap to your future don't make another decision without tapping into the wisdom that's waiting for you whether it's matters of the heart your next career choice or seeking guidance from the spirits that watch over us i'm here to help if you're ready to take that step, book your appointment with me today at www.hoodooconjurerootwork.com and let's uncover the answers that await you. Your journey is unique and I'm here to guide you every step of the way. Again, go to www.hoodooconjurerootwork.com and schedule your appointment with me today. Your spirit guides are waiting. Well, how do you want me to do it? The quickest way or the long way? The lingering way? Well, let me have both ways. One way first, and then the other way second, you see? Well, you want the high speed first or the slow speed? Let me have the high speed first. Well... The high speed first, well, like when a man comes to see me first, see, I'll go and I'll shake his hand and I'll take his handkerchief and I'll play with it and I'll wipe his face. And I'll go back home and I'll put that handkerchief in a basin of water, see. I'll strain that water and I'll wring it out, wring it out dry and I'll take that water and I'll put it in a little bottle about that big. And I'll take four pins with the head on them and two needles, see? And tie them pins. See, tie the heads tight, the four heads together. You understand me? All right. 
And I take the needles crossways, cross the pins and put them down in that bottle seat. And carry that back down there and have it put underneath the step. And he'll be dead in an hour after that. An hour after, you see, that's the speedy way. Now, how would you do that for the slow way? Hmm. Well, the slow way, you go to him. You go to the wash line here and you wait for the stocking, see? You get that stocking and you bring that home and you soak that in water, see? And you just squeeze that water and the stocking all down in the bottle. And you take one long pin and you put it through the stocking, you see? You hang that down in the bottle. And you just cut in the stopper an air hole. And you keep a leak of it. So the bottle will leak constantly and finally be that way in a couple of days so his life will leak away. Well, where do you put that bottle after you fix it? You put it down underneath the step, down underneath the step and let the head be out with that much. Just get the head out. See, that will get him down. That will get him down in his head. You see, if somebody tries to hurt you, I'm going to tell you what you do now. If somebody tries to hurt you and you come to me, well, I keeps two or three black cats, see? But I don't want nothing off him but a patch of hair out the middle of his head. Well, I carry that out to the graveyard, you understand? And I carry a dollar and a half. Puts 50 cent to the head, 50 cent on the breast, and 50 cent to his feet. Understand? But it got to be your family, see, or some relation, some way, or some cousin of yours. And I, I pay them. I pay the spirits to keep them people from hurting you. And I come on back and I get me a can of Red Devil, I see. But I'll bring a handful of dust off the grave and just where I'll put that money. And when I come with that red devil eye and I take that red devil eye and I mix it with that, see, and I put it in them in a can. And I put six holes in it. And I put it underneath your stuff. And regardless of what you putting on me, my spirits eat them up. Although the first excerpt is short, Mr. Brown gives us a lot to unpack in that very short excerpt. The first thing that I want to highlight is his use of water as a link. Taking a person's article of clothing And putting it in water, straining it out and utilizing that water or the the strained water with the article of clothing as an essence of that person to be utilized in the work. First and foremost, that's smart. You don't hear too many workers talking about doing the work this way. It's always get a piece of hair, get this, get that, write the person's name on a piece of paper. But Mr. Brown doesn't do that. He took he takes the handkerchief and wipes someone's face with it, collecting their sweat, collecting their bodily fluids. Right. And then strains that into water or he would go take a stocking or a sock from someone's clothesline and then he would strain that into the water. Now, that is something else that I think that's very profound, because when we talk about 
links for hoodoo, it's always being given to you as, you know, the article of clothing has to be used. It needs to be soiled or something like that. But obviously, you know, Mr. Brown didn't use soil clothing. He used clothing that was fresh on the line after they had been washed. Because the only reason why you would put clothes on the line is if they were washed. So he is a practitioner for me that kind of breaks the boundaries of things that you've been taught or the things that you've been learned. And this is why Hoodoo is so regional. And, and I'm not, I'm going to go beyond regional. I'm going to say the word personable. You will not find anyone who does things the same way. And every hoodooist has a different theology as it relates to this on how the work is done, how a person's nature can be captured. So that's the first thing that I wanted to highlight was the usage of the water being intermingled with articles of clothing and then creating a link out of that. Now let's move forward and talk about the boneyard, the graveyard a little bit since, you know, honestly, that's what we're here for is he utilizes the graveyard as a place of protection versus just a sacred space that is used for malevolent reasons. I love this idealism as it relates to boneyard work because it gives us more balance in the approach. I think if something is only left-handed and it, and it lacks any type of benevolent light to it, I kind of questioned it a little bit. I prefer things that sit somewhere right in the middle that it can go either left or it can go right. The next thing that I want to highlight on is the payment for the work. Now, how you pay is differentiated, you know, between practitioners, but I did think it was very prominent, very substantial that he did place 50 cent pieces at different places on the body, at the head, at the breast, and at the feet. But most importantly, importantly, he paid for the work. Then there is also the use of animal fetish, right? Mr. Brown says he keeps about two or three black cats and he only uses them just to take a little bit of hair off of their heads. Using black cat hair, in his work, animal fetish is utilized a lot in traditional forms of hoodoo, right? Uh, animal fetish is utilized a lot. So before we go any further, I just want to just you all to just sit on this because he's given us a lot in a very, very short excerpt. And then to put the icing on the cake. He confirms the conjuration of his work that he says that whatever you're trying to put on me, my spirits will eat it up. That he is acknowledging that he is paying the spirits of the dead to do the work, that he's physically going to the location of where the spirits lie. He's paying them. He's petitioning them and then acknowledging that nothing else has to be done because it's now left into their hands. I was very excited to put this together for you all because there aren't many pieces of information where the boneyard or the graveyard is broken down so intimately with all of these different variations. He was very matter of fact about when you go to the graveyard, you want to work with a grave or a spirit or a person who is related to you. 
Okay, if you didn't catch that, this is why I'm breaking this down for you. He said that the person that you go to has to be either like a parent, someone that was in your family, someone that was in relation to you, even just down to a cousin. I mean, and logically that makes sense. You would want to go to a family member. You would want to go to the grave of an ancestor because, you know, paying them for the work is going to for sure solidify the protection that you are seeking. And a lot of times when I hear people talking about going to the graveyard, I do not engage in those conversations publicly. I really don't. Because from what I've heard, most of the time you all are decimating graveyards versus actually going there with a benevolent purpose or going to the graveyard in a respectful manner, it's more so being desecrated. So I don't engage in these conversations publicly a lot of times. One thing that I don't hear people talking about is going to the graves of their family members. It's almost like you just can go in the graveyard, select any random grave, get some dirt, and then this you just for sure that this spirit is going to do the work for you. You know, alleviating any type of relationship or intimacy that has to be formed or any type of bond that has to be formed with the spirit for them to be petitioned on your behalf. So Mr. Brown gives us a more personable, relatable, okay, that's another word, relatable experience as it relates to stepping into the boneyard. You want to be going to the grave of someone that you know, that you loved, that you trusted to pay them and petition them on your half for protection. The Hoodoo and Chill podcast will return after this short ad break. Discover the HCR Gold Academy, a Black-owned industry leader in online spiritual education. Dive into the realms of hoodoo, black American conjure, root work, divination, and spiritism. Simply visit hcrgold.com to complete your new student intake form and secure an appointment with our expert instructors. Enroll in our Journey into Hoodoo 10-month course meticulously curated for practitioners on all levels. Experience premium online learning from seasoned professionals. Classes kick off in January 2024. So reserve your spot today at hcrgold.com and unravel the secrets of hoodoo. Empower your spiritual journey with the HCR Gold Academy, where wisdom meets transformation. Begin your journey today. Visit hcrgold.com. Will you come to me and say, say I want a job. The boss knocked me off, but I want a job. I say, all right, when did he knock you off? Well, I say, I'll charge you 10 or $20 or maybe according to who you is, you know. He says, all right. Well, I say, can you get to the boss? He says, no. But I'll go to him, see. See, when I go, I'll carry me a bottle. And when I carry this bottle, I'll have me one piece of devil shoestring. One piece of whorehound root. And one piece of dogwood root. These three roots, and I'll have me about 10 drops of some strong germicide. 
I'm going to take your spirit. Understand? I put him in the bottle. And I go to him and I say, Well, boss, how are you? Soon as your boss open his mouth, I got that bottle in my pocket uncorked, you see. Soon as you open your mouth to say good morning, I put the stopper down. I got his spirit, see? Put that cork right on it, just like that. And you got his spirit. Then I stay and I talk to him. And when I come up off him, I go to the graveyard and I pay them one dollar for that bottle spirit of the ball staying there. See, you got to pay. About 11 hours, I let it stay there, understand? And after them 11 hours is up, about 3 o'clock today, I come there and I say, listen now, Mr. So-and-so, you going to give such and such a job. Anyway, let them lay in the grave about 11 hours. And now you bury him there and then you come back to the boss. I say, Mr. So-and-so, you can't get this one a job. He says, well, he cut out some of his pocket at work. He calls the foreman and he says, I put that man to work. Well, all right, that does the work. Put that man to work. Then I go there and I get that bottle and I carry it to your house. You asking for a job. See, I carry it to your house. And I bury you underneath your steps. See, every 12 months to make up a new charm, understanding that as long as you keep that bottle there, he can't knock you off. You see, as long as you got that bottle, he can't knock you off. Mr. Brown was something else. And I want to take this time to elaborate on his usage of the boneyard for prosperous work to utilize that sacred space for assistance and for help in day-to-day needs. I want to take the focus of the graveyard away from it only being a place to contact negative forces, malevolent spirits, or to go to that sacred space with your ill intentions. Not saying that this doesn't happen. We know this because the majority of the occult information, especially in hoodoo as it relates to graveyard work, it's always for something negative. Yet we have Mr. Brown and his personability just showing us how much he trusts and how much faith he has in his ancestors. And this for me right here is where we see ancestors actually being utilized in the hoodoo tradition outside of the act of just reverence. He's going to his folks or going to the folks of his clients and petitioning and paying them for their assistance. And I love how, you know, we think of getting a job is something just as is candle work. I want to also take the time to highlight Mr. Brown doesn't use any candles. If you notice, he has not mentioned the use of any candle work at all whatsoever. This man I just love the way he works. He is a truly a conjurman at heart. But anyway, back to this. Another really, really important aspect I want to take a moment to highlight is his notion of capturing the spirit. And wow, 
you know, his methodology of doing that was to only use three roots. Okay. He used the whorehound root. He used the double shoestring and he also used the dogwood root. He put them in three bottles with three drops of germicide, which is basically just disinfectant, right? You can even use barbicide, you know, if you didn't have anything else. He goes to his client's boss. And as the client is speaking, right, we know that through the voice, through the mouth, through words, through sound, through vibration that, you know, spirit is giving off, that we can conjure from the mere act of the voice. But his methodology is that I can capture your spirit when you speak and trap it into this bottle. I can take the bottle with me, which is basically taking you with me. He buried the bottle in the graveyard and asked his clients ancestors basically to put your foot on there on this man's neck. He didn't ask for them to hurt him. He didn't want him to harm him, but he wanted to change the boss's perspective on hiring his client back. Obviously, the person had gotten laid off. So Marcus Brown or whatever his name was. It could have been William. It could have been Pete. But today we're going to go with Mr. Brown. Mr. Brown offers us a different theology as it relates to the dead. You know, and for sake of time, unfortunately, I cannot, you know, I, I never can elaborate fully on these interviews in their entirety, no matter how long or how short, because we be here all day. But he does also speak in his interview that everything that we have comes from our ancestors. He even says verbatim, we are living off the dead. There isn't one working that he provides in this interview where some form of the graveyard is not being utilized. And again, I really can appreciate that this isn't a worker who relies on candles or lamps. This is a worker who truly relies on the spirits of the dead. This is a truly a conjure man who believes in the art, heavy on the art of spirit conjuration. And this is also a very prolific, to me, practitioner, because the way that he links his subjects to his work, you are not going to find that written in any book that you picked up on hoodoo. Okay, I think the best, you know, the most uh, thorough book that gives you a great list of links, and I'm not going to call that person's name out, but it is a little green book about root work. And, you know, that author, she provides us with a long list of links that could be used, but never does she elaborate the way Mr. Brown does on taking the garments and dousing them in water and straining them out, waiting for a person to speak and capturing their essence through trapping it with the spirit bottle. Okay. Very powerful work. And it just it just shows you the level of intricacy that is associated with the hoodoo conjure root work, black American spirituality tradition. Okay, heavy on black American conjure that there is so many different methods of doing something. Again, this is why I do not choose to engage in you know, pointless debates on what is considered who do, what is not considered who do. I don't mind debating about our theology and our methods only if it's from a place of, you know, understanding. I'm here to learn and I'm here to gain from you. I'm here to put our differences on the table and, you know, 
dissect or what's the word? Um, compare and contrast, right? But if it's just from a place of this is right and this is wrong, I don't engage in those conversations. And you know, my family, my friends, listeners, supporters, I would heavily say to you, do not engage into those conversations. They're pointless. And the only thing that is going to happen is someone is going to make you more insecure in your work, right? I I couldn't even fathom Mr. Brown arguing or debating with anyone about how he did things. This was a practitioner who spoke to Mr. Middleton with a lot of confidence, a lot of assurity in the things that he was doing. I also love the fact too that, you know, when we talk about people who can fluidly work with the spirits of the dead, the people that go to the graveyards and things of that nature, and they are very, very fluid in their mythology of working in this manner, a lot of times these people tend to be a little hot-spirited. You know, they're not always your <laughs> love and like goddess in the grass individuals, as I always say. You know, if we go back to the beginning of this interview, Mr. Hyatt mentions that Mr. Brown had gotten into a fight with another practitioner when he came out of his interview. So, you know, for lack of better words, Mr. Brown was with the shit. He was. And it would make sense that he found a lot of solace in the graveyard amongst the dead. It it makes a lot of sense that he even went to, you know, literally when we talk about going to our ancestors, we're most of the time we're talking about going to our altar. But this is a man who went to where his ancestors were lying, their dead bodies and petitioned to petition them in that sacred space. So, you know, Mr. Brown, even though, again, this interview is only about five pages long, if you were to sit here and dissect through the little gems that have been dropped all throughout, you know, his speech, there's so much to pull from here. Again, in my opinion, I think Mr. Brown is one of the most prolific conjurers, hoodoo doctors that we have brought to the table on this show. Now, I want to touch on his charm, and I also want to touch on the process of aftercare. So if you are taking notes, this is definitely where you you know want to have your pen and your paper. The first thing that he talks about is the fact that the charm that he created when he brought the bottle back and put it under his client's doorstep, he said that there was a time limit on it, that for the next 12 months that this was to ensure that the job was going to be stable is going to be secure. And he says that you have to, you know, basically replenish this on the next new moon to make this magic work again. Two things I want to highlight here. One is that most Greek, all Greek, Greek, all charms, they have a expiration date. They don't last forever. So anybody that told you that if you made a mojo bag or if you have one, that it lasts forever, that's not true. They, from all everything that I've taught and learned and studied and read and heard, okay, they have an expiration date. You know, they the, the, the longest that I've heard them lasting is maybe like maybe five years or so, but they have an expiration date and you will know when that charm is no longer working because the effects of it just wear off. You know, you need, need to make a new one. So that's the first thing that these charms, they work. But after a while, they do wear off, which is why you do need to feed them, okay? So if you know anything about the art of mojo or grigri, 
feeding it is very, very important. And if you want to learn about that, then this is the time for you to go on the website, hcrgold.com and sign up for class next year because this is something that we do teach, the art of mojo, grigri, how to feed it, when to feed it, and also when to be able to determine when this is no longer working for you. Again, sign up. We have a 10-month program starting in January that covers the basics of hoodoo, conjuration, and root work. Okay, now back to what we were talking about. The next thing I want to bring up is his working on the new moon. I always do something on the new moon 80, 90% of the time. And that is the hoodoo way. You know, very I rarely, if ever, have I heard of anything being done on the full moon, but always the new moon. Okay, so that's something else that you want to write down. The traditional methodology of working with the moon in Black American Conjure who doing root work is to work with the new moon. The last thing I want to touch on is aftercare, which is so important in a necessary way of thinking when you're doing work, especially for other people. You will perform ritual or essentially find a cure for whatever the ailment is. But then there's still aftercare. In other words, let's use Mr. Brown's situation. His client came to him and said, hey, I got laid off. I need my job back. Mr. Brown said, cool, I'm going to get you your job back. But not only did he get him the job back, he secured it for the next year. Okay, that was the aftercare. He could have simply have done the work to just get the, you know, influence the foreman to hire the man back. But he want to step above and beyond. And, and I think that these are the little details of these interviews that you really have to pay attention to. It, it speaks of the character, the character of the worker. Okay, because a lot of times we just focus on the work and what they did and how they did it. A lot of you are just looking, listening to these to gain recipes, but this is a history moment for you. This is a moment for you to hear the character of your ancestors, because who's to say that Mr. Brown isn't the ancestor of one of you listening from Charleston, South Carolina. Shout out to all of my listeners from, from South Carolina. But... He went a step above and beyond. He got the job back and he said, not only am I going to get you your job back, I'm going to make sure that it stays. You know, he understood the necessity of our people needing to be employed, the importance of keeping a job and just how that could have potentially affect someone in their family at that time to not have income coming in. I mean, that's still a factor even today in our modern times. You have to have income. So for those of you that are workers for other people, those of you that do take on clients, I would say to you, your methodology and the way that you are performing your rituals, the way that you are healing, there should be a factor of aftercare associated with the things that you do for your clients. Don't just fix the situation, but make sure that it's going to stay fixed. Okay, and I would say to you, those of you who are seeking practitioners or someone who will provide that level of care, these are the type of questions that you should be asking. This is the type of discernment that you should have when searching for a healer or a traditional worker 
of Black American Hoodoo Conjure and Root Work. Today's interview meant a lot to me to share today and to piece together in this format because Hoodoo has been explained to us that it is it's different and we love to use the word regional and I do agree that Hoodoo is very regional and that just depending upon the culture and the layout of the land the work the practice is going to look different but Mr. Marcus challenges our thought process on that or even evolves it as hoodoo is evolving in the modern day. Mr. Brown teaches us that hoodoo is not only regional, but it is personable. We have a practitioner who does not rely so much on the spirit of the root, nor does he rely on candles or the flame to illuminate the path for the work to be found. This is a practitioner who puts his entire faith, all of his work and his allegiance with his ancestors, with the spirits of the dead. This is a practitioner who utilizes the mythology of pilgrimage. He utilizes the mythology of sacred sight meaning that he goes to the sacred space to do the work. He goes to where the power is and feeds upon the power in the place where it resides. You see, a lot of us are taught to bring the power to us into our homes with our candles, with our lights, with our petitions. But how many of us will evolve our practice into more hands-on where you are physically traveling and creating not only a relationship with the spirits that reside in that place, but creating a relationship with the atmosphere, with the sacred site in general. This mythology is not only found in Black American conjure, but it is also found in many indigenous and shamanic practices, the art of going to where the work is, going to where the power is relying on the spirits to perform the actions for you. As hoodoo evolves in modern day, my thought process on this is I believe hoodoo is going to translate into a more personable practice than I think regional. And why do I say that? Because the secret is out. I mean, we are we we have so much access to communication and we are doing so much exchange of knowledge. We, we are writing so many books. We're having so many conversations. We are able to connect with each other from around the world at the drop of a dime, right? So to say that hoodoo is still regional, yeah, I, it's, that's debatable a little bit. I think it's transforming into something more personable. People are doing, the work is going to translate to what relates to you the most. We have to remember that many of us are the descendants of ancestors from all over the South. So your work may have whispers of Louisiana with a little whispers of Virginia and a few hints of South Carolina in there too. It just depends upon your bloodline. And I love Mr. Marcus for being an archetype of hoodoo personability, teaching you that it's not so much about where you're from or who you are, but what feels right to you and what works for you. 
we can learn a lot from this interview. Even though it was short, there was so much depth here. For those of you who are performing rituals of the boneyard, I would caution you and I would say to you, spend more time at the gravesite of your ancestors. Leave more flowers, leave more offerings. Work with those spirits and see how your practice will transform. I think the graveyard is a beautiful place. I think that it has been stereotypically made into this dark region because of Hollywood and and the aesthetic of how people, you know, create graveyards, so to speak, or how they are built. There are many boneyards that are very beautiful, built in some very beautiful places. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with spending time with our deceased loved ones in their sacred resting grounds. There's absolutely nothing weird or wrong about that. We have to change the narrative and our perspective on things. There are cultures that go and have lunch with their dead ancestors in the graveyard. And I challenge you, maybe when it gets warm out, maybe you should try that. This interview, Mr. Brown, thank you so much for just sharing your words with Mr. Middleton. And if you can hear me, we thank you so much for just offering us this information, offering us this knowledge, offering us a piece of you that will forever, forever ring bells through this podcast. Thank you for allowing me to be your vessel today. Thank you for being an archetype of hoodoo men. Thank you for being a voice of hoodoo men because our voices are not heard as loud as they should be. Thank you for stepping up that day and deciding to do that interview. Whatever your intention was that day, you don't know how much you have left behind. I wanna thank each and every last one of you for spending time with me today, for listening to this podcast in its entirety. Thank you so much for the donations that have been coming in and for the ones that will come in. I thank you all of you all for signing up for classes. I look forward to meeting each and every last one of you. And for those of you who are preparing to register for an amazing 10 month experience, I look forward to meeting you as well. My family, my friends, listeners, and supporters, I want each of you to remember that you are strong, you are powerful. Your hoodoo is personable, it is yours. It is yours to grow, to mold, to experience, to learn, to gain, to heal, to love. It is for you. Grow with it. Create more intimacy and more personability with your work and especially your ancestors, my people. Your bloodline is divine. Remember that you did come from the best of the best. I send each and every last one of you out today in love in light, in peace, and most importantly, protection. May your hands be like gold. May everything that they touch, may they materialize and manifest as if it were gold. Again, my people, thank you so much for listening. And with that, I release you into the atmosphere. Thanks for listening to the Hoodoo and Chill podcast. Be sure to follow and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating and let us know how much you enjoyed the show. As always, 
donations of love keep our podcast alive and give us the ability to enhance our content. Please use one of the donation links in the description to send a donation of love today. And we'll see you on the next episode of Hoodoo and Chill.